you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. The Around the NFL Podcast. Creators of the GM Reddit Board app. Damn right. Welcome to another edition of the Around the NFL Podcast presented by Sirius XM. My name is Dan Hansis, and I'm joined in a room filled with heroes. Mark Sessler, Chris Wessling, and Greg Rosenthal. What is up, boys? Hey, Dan. We're all together, and it feels damn good. But not everything feels good. The Shield dynasty is over. Long live the Shield. The company co-ed softball team went down in the finals to Barney's Nooners, 13-10. to Dug ourselves a hole. Deep hole, fell behind 8 nothing, and uh, crawled our way back, scored 10 runs in the last, what was it, two innings was? Two innings, I think. Rally came up painfully short. Our great player on deck as the tying run when our one of our top girls got caught off first base, got in a rundown, tagged out. It's like Babe Ruth when he got thrown out trying to steal second in the World Series. All Just those, like that. All those years ago. Wait, like rounding first or yes. something? Trying to go to second. <laughs> Trying to make something happen. And uh, it, because we, our listeners have been interested in the Shield for three seasons now, this feels like the right time for a press conference. Any thoughts about the season? And we have a lot to get to today on the Around the Podcast, but the most important thing is what happened with the Shield on Wednesday. <laughs> so we'll take some questions. Quick press conference. All right, uh, right here. All right, there. Can we start with your decision at uh, Pitcher, Skip? Um, A smattering of blogs blogs and talk radio outlets are pinging you for starting Brooke from original content on the mound over a surging Matt Tanton. Would you do it again? I'd do it again, yes. I really thought Brooke, although she'd missed the bulk of the season, um, she'd carried us in a lot of ways to her first two titles on the bump, and it was not an easy decision, and I I worked with my consigliere, Wes, um, trying to come up with the right move. And maybe it was the right move. Maybe if Maddie's on the mound, um, uh, same out- outcome, we lose. But uh, I felt good going with what I thought was our best team. Uh, Wes, do you have anything to add to that? We had reached a decision that we would have been fine with either of those people pitching, that pitching was not our issue. We have other issues, but pitching was not it. Either one of those persons would have done the job just fine. Hmm. Uh, next you got to score more than well, 10 runs to win in softball. Yeah, I was going right to – I had a big softball for you, but that answer begs the question, well, what are, what are the issues? Uh, our leadoff hitter started the game 0 for 3, including striking out to start the game. Now, Wes, you, you, you're a warrior, and I want people to know that, Chris, that just shows you what time a man he is, that he's going to say that. Yes, slow start. You finished strong. You played a big part in the seventh inning rally played very good defense. It was You were not the reason we lost, but we didn't play our cleanest game. We did not play a great defensive game. We didn't pitch our best game, but it wasn't just that. We left runs on the field. 
We let runs score that shouldn't have scored. We just didn't play our A game. We were the best team in the league. We just weren't the best team on Wednesday night, and that's sports. Anything else? It was execution. We just failed to execute. Got to ask this yeah, if ahead. I can. I spoke with a source downstairs who told me there was an aura of this sort of might be our last go around after the loss. You, Skip, have toyed with retirement for years verbally. I don't know if that's sort of a cat and string operation with the press. Where are you? Are you coming back next season? Um, I'm not ready to answer that right now. It's a very emotional time. It's it, it was one of the toughest losses of my career. Absolutely. I think we were all very confident. Uh, some people I know in the media thought, Wes, that we were overconfident, which I don't think was that the case. Was not, that was not the issue at all. Con- overconfidence was not an issue. Hmm. How about execution? Quick, execution. Follow-up. You were, were because usually you always talk down your expectations, and then I, the last week you guys, you, you were talking them up. That, that just wasn't an issue. I don't think it was. One more for Coach. Quick follow-up if we yeah. could. I mean, any thoughts to coming go, back? Then, guys. Ne- let's, go. How about you, you do come back next year, but with a new wave of NFL media employees on the team, let's say <laughs> William McGinnis, LaDainian Tomlinson, and maybe Deion Sanders to systematically drop an A-bomb on these <laughs> ham and eggers that, are, that populate the rest you know, of the league. I'm going to cut you off right there. It's a clown question, bro. It's a clown question. I love my team. I support my team. This is a great team that has heart for days, and we didn't get it done, but it's, this is not a teardown. This is not the end of uh, the shield, um, maybe the end of Skip, and I don't know about mm. third base. Wes, I know you, you said some things after the game, Wes, about a potential retirement. Any thoughts uh, that you have on that? Well, my skills have eroded, and I'm physically weaker. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, just not as, I'm just not as good as I was a few years ago, and it doesn't feel good to be one of the reasons we lost. That's a new feeling for me in softball. So it's sort of a wake-up call, and it hmm. gives me a greater uh, appreciation for, say, Brett Favre or Ben Roethlisberger or Gronk, where you say after the season, I'm probably hanging them up. And then maybe you get a few months to think mm-hmm. about it. But I, I feel like I'm going to leave my spikes on the back of the dugout maybe, and call it a career. Maybe these are, maybe you guys are the 2017 Whoa. Patriots, though. You started the you know press release saying the dynasty's over. But who knows? Maybe it's just you just win it next year, and it's just one little – championship loss that's part of the greater story the shield is at a crossroads i think that is a good way to put it all right coming up on today's show and presser um oh this is a good thing rosenthal remembers a return to the raven's nest like what is that i didn't plan this segment what is this coming up later today greg flew across the country on the nfl's dime thanks rog and um, watched camp, and I we haven't. T- I don't know about you guys. I haven't it talked to you. Cost a lot of money, by the way. It costs a, a lot of money. Um, I haven't talked to you at all about your trip. So I I'm got really upgraded to hear first about class it. on the way back. Wow. What? Very expensive well, trip. That wow. was a nice drop, and I'm happy with the title you came up with. But it just makes me really miss Greggy Does Dallas. Mm. Mm. A lot of people speculated. We had mentioned during our our tour of conference rooms across <laughs> NFL media here uh, when this studio was being refurbished, uh, whether the Debbie does Dallas or Greggy does Dallas segment was what got us almost fired. No, <laughs> no, we no, stern, not at all. A semi stern talking to about that, but we were never <laughs> threatened our job. So anyway, Greg was in Baltimore. His boys, the Ravens, um, got to saw, see his boy Lamar. Maybe we'll talk a little bit about your making the leap piece on Lamar Jackson. A lot to get to over there um, as we jump back into the Ravens nest. But before that, what we're hearing presented by Sirius XM. Let's do some news, Ricky. We're in Tampa Bay for inside training camp. You heard that saying? 
when in Rome, do as the Romans do. How about in Tampa? In Tampa, when you're in Tampa, you do as the Bucks do. I got my BA hat. You're jealous. You gotta have one of these things. Everybody's gotta have one of these things. BA has one, I have one. Now we got a great show for you. We're live at practice. He talks for three hours straight here, here, by the way. No, not that rapper. I'm talking about Ian Rappaport with all the breaking news around the league. Nobody does it better than him. And then our host, Andrew Siciliano. He's been all over the world. He goes everywhere. Just follow him on social media. I'm plugging you, Andrew. Remember that, okay? But he's here in Tampa, and you're lucky to have him. Live, NFL Network, inside training camp. I'll see you later. We need him to hype us. We need this this kind of treatment from Charlie Casserly. Charlie Casserly is a real person. GM, he's got rings. He's got, he's got a great life. But sometimes I, I it, it amazes me when I just I watch him in, in action and the things that he says. We should get him on the show. Jazz. This clip, by the way, Again, if you if you if you look at his um, Twitter feed, this clip took place the entire time he <laughs> unfurled that speech, oh, right. wearing a red, you know, Bruce Arians uh, cap. That that's what Gangle. he was referring to. But through the jaws of a gigantic like dinosaur mouth. Or no, something? it was the or Tampa, a Tampa Bay, Bay fish pirate ship okay. um, skull and bones. I mean, it was it was a thing. Check it out. It was a whole thing. All right, let's get into the news. Starting right here in Los Angeles, the Rams. Did some business signing coach Sean McVay to a five-year extension uh, and also extending general manager Les Snead. McVay is 33 years old, now under contract through 2023. It wasn't a situation where they had to get a deal done right now, but they know what they have in McVay, um, Greg, who in 2017 when he got hired was, I wouldn't call him an unknown, but he was obviously untested and it it was a bit of a leap of faith, and it turned out to go gangbusters to use a Shekism. He's twenty-four and eight. That the thing of the disappointment coming off the Super Bowl loss is overlooking like how fast and quickly they established themselves as really the most consistent team right now in the NFC. And the reason why, like, not that they need you know any kudos for signing McVay. It's obviously safe, but he seems so good at all the other things. He gets so much credit for scheming, but he seems so good at all the other things that. It, you know, a head coach is required to do, which is managing his staff, managing the players, man- organization, managing the day-to-day uh, things that come with being a coach. I, they, I think it did need to happen now because Mike Silver reported that McVay was believed to be the lowest paid coach in the league after the Super Bowl and was less getting less money than Matt LaFleur and Zach Taylor. So it, there was a raise. It basically sure. they, they came to him right after that game and said, we're going to get something done. And smart. it makes complete sense. Very smart. And they and they say, Wes, in, in baseball, they say it's vital to be very strong up the middle. Catcher, pitcher, right. shortstop, center field. Same thing in football with you have to be strong. Ownership, the general manager, the coach, the quarterback. Hmm. And that's why the Rams are where they are for the past three years. They went from being a laughingstock organization to sort of the new paradigm for success in the NFL in the dozen years before McVay, they won 31.5% of their games. Since they hired him, they've won 75% of their games. It doesn't get much better than that. It's neat. A, you know, a nice decision, I guess, by ownership, who you know was not a popular ownership group and one of the least successful ownership groups in the NFL in, until McVay came along. A, a good decision uh, to keep Les Snead and pair him with McVay because I think it's clearly 1A, 1B that Les Snead is fulfilling McVay's vision, but they, they really work well together. Snead was on the ropes too before. McVay right. was kind of like his Hail Mary in a way, and it could not have worked out. He'd be like a cat on his fourth life right now. Right. Eight and a half maybe? <laughs> 
I mean, I mean they, he wasn't that far. They didn't really do he anything those, back, first, those first several years. He, how many right, years but he also, there? you're saying he also, he's died eight times? I don't know if he's well, died Well, it's nine lives, times. right? The cast? Yeah, yeah but he's yeah, died. He, he, also he, took over, he also took over what was literally the, the worst <laughs> three-year run in NFL history before Jeff Fisher uh, got there. So it was like, you know, he was doing okay before. Okay. I'm just saying I like Les. I'm sticking with four lives. They were worse so than the Browns. He's <laughs> at about life four and a half, five lives. Uh, would you mind splitting the difference? Go six? <laughs> no, it's too many. I mean, and I don't even believe that that's true of cats to begin with. I think that was a bunch of malarkey. Well, you had like nine cats in your backyard at one point. At They're all gone. They only got so one life. Figure that out. Did you multiply them by nine? No, but I don't know. They were taken out of my household, thankfully. Interesting. But all right, so the Rams do business. You know who wants to do business? Michael Thomas, the star Saints wide receiver. Uh, he wants a new deal. Um, he wants to get paid like what he is, uh, which is a superstar. He's in the superstar club, which means a lot to him. But he's a 2016 second-round pick, which means he doesn't make a lot of money. He makes $1.1 million, uh, as he enters the uh, – he's set to make $1.148 million as he enters the final year of his rookie contract. Uh, he wants to get paid like a star, and that's why he's holding out. Uh, Mike Garofolo and Ian Rappaport reported that Thomas did not report to training camp with teammates. He's seeking a new deal, and Wes, he's staying away until he gets one. Here we go again. He reportedly wants at least $20 million a year, which would make him the highest paid wide receiver in the NFL. And for stretches of last season, he was the best receiver in the NFL. I thought Sean Payton had an interesting point when he basically said, because of the collecting a bargaining agreement they signed in 2011 that got rid of the rookie wage scale, we don't see rookie holdouts. Instead, we see those holdouts happen at the end of their rookie deals. And because the CBA is ending after this season, uh, it makes negotiations a little trickier uh, in terms of how you can push money out into the future and what the next CBA is going to look like, like players that are signing five, six-year deals right now are taking a big risk that by the end of that, they're really going to end up looking uh, underpaid. I think it's the perfect time to have a hold up. This guy, I mean, Michael Thomas might be the most in-shape player in the NFL. Like, if I'm the Saints, do you really care that he misses three weeks of training camp? I would. I don't think it'll matter. It sounds like they're not that far apart in that it'll I mean, happen. they. Yeah, I don't see this lingering beyond this, this summertime period. But you do have to – you have Julio Jones still sitting out there. I feel like we're into year eight of talking about him getting a contract extension at some point. And you've got Tyreek Hill potentially too. So there's going to be – you have to see where those numbers come in when they do. Julio Jones wants a deal. Amari Cooper, A.J. Green. Beckham, by the way, your boy Odell Beckham, Mark. Currently the highest paid receiver. He makes 18 mil a season. And Thomas wants more. By the way, uh, we've been tracking this Ezekiel Elliott holdout situation. And, you know, we have a lot of reporters here at NFL – uh, network and this is money time for the network. They like to. This is where they flex and they show we have feet on the ground everywhere and we're covering every breath and every movement in training camp. Yesterday was a great example where Jane Slater goes viral in the news industry by reporting uh, that Zeke was not on the team on the plane to Oxnard for training camp, and sure enough. He did not attend his physical or the team's conditioning run Friday at Cowboys training camp, which opens. He is indeed holding out. There was talk, Mark, that if talks between the Cowboys and Zeke were moving in a positive direction, um, even if a deal didn't get done, he was going to potentially show up. 
I don't know if this means that things are not going well, but there's no deal in place, and Zeke is staying away for now. I, these are one of these stories. I get, I get that we all eyes on this, and it's the it's the perfect storm of the Cowboys and Ezekiel Elliott, exactly. and it's it, we're looking for all this to magnify it. But wake me up in a month because I feel like the only holdout that truly concerns me, if I'm a fan right now, would be Melvin Gordon. The rest of them, I just, I, am I wrong? Should, should, I, be, should is, I be losing sleep at night over the idea that the Cowboys are going to let Zeke Elliott go weeks into the regular season unsigned or, your, or a holdout? Your feeling is everyone gets signed by that first week of the season. It's ex- going to get except done. Except for Melvin Gordon. That's how I would feel. If the Chargers fans could be I'd be really surprised freaked. if they sign Ezekiel Elliott. I think he's just going to have to cave because I think Dak Prescott gets paid first. But do you I think, think he's going to hold out game, regular no, season? Yes, that's what I'm me, saying. I don't know. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, I don't know if they can figure you. out some other way to get him into camp or if he's just happy to skip a couple weeks of camp, which isn't surprising. I, I'd be like just like a little bit concerned with Zeke because he's shown up to camp out of you know relatively out of shape multiple times. Right. And he's been very durable, but if he does show up out of shape and he steps on the field week 1, maybe a hamstring monster comes get him. I'd be a little nervous as a Dallas fan. And Melvin Gordon, I have to say, like I don't know who his agent is or what what's going on behind the scenes, but I I kind of worry for this guy a little bit because he seems to be going to, and there's another report out there that he's willing to hold out into the season, a Chargers team that has pieces there that you could easily see them getting out to a good start and the running game not being a problem for them. And then he's kind of left in a, in a bad way. He seems to be vulnerable right now. I agree. I don't know if yep. he knows and that. And if I was, a, you know, Trent Williams is the other one because, you know, he's a left tackle and Eric Flowers right now is your left tackle. And I know no one expects the Redskins to be any good, but when you're when you're replacing the best player on your team with Eric Flowers – that's a concern. That feels like when you have right. the, the rare situation where you have a friend who was in a long-term relationship with someone, they broke up, but they're still, because they're in a lease, they're living together after they've <laughs> broken up, the Redskins and Trent Williams. That's mm-hmm. how I see that. Do you Very think the hamstring thorny. monster is made out of solely hamstrings, or is it like a beating <laughs> heart with hamstrings around it, or, or what? That sounds pretty scary. Kind it sounds gross. like the next like, Marvel I think it's more like a gnome that pops out of the dirt and it just like slaps you in the hamstring and then like goes back underground. Like, no one, no one like sees it, Japanese but it pops girl. you. It just mm. poop. I like that. Yeah. Like, like a whack-a-mole. <laughs> uh, bad news for the New York Giants. Of course, they are looking to move on from the OBJ era and Sterling Shepard uh, is a big part of that. Uh, he just got a four-year, $41 million contract extension in April, but he will be shut down for the time being after being diagnosed with a thumb fracture. It happened on Thursday at practice. He'll be evaluated on a week-to-week basis. Uh, we talked about Julian Edelman up in New England, also dealing with what I believe is a fractured Broken thumb. thumb. Um, but that happened, obviously, before this. They th- they're okay with the Patriots with the idea that he'll be back. Ready for week one. We'll see with Shepard based on the timing of this. And um, Mike Garofolo reported that this this has the potential to go right up against the start of the season. So he could miss week one against the Cowboys six weeks from Sunday. And the news didn't get any better on the same day that Shepard got hurt. Corey Coleman, the former Browns first-round pick, trying to get his career on track and in line for a big role with the Giants. He tore his ACL. You know, try to speak to the football gods last week to, to show mercy. You did try. They didn't listen. Um, Corey, I mean, that was largely Jets-based, so I think they've listened so far. Knock on wood. But I wanted everyone to stay healthy. It's not working out that way. Uh, Coleman uh, tore his ACL, and he will obviously 
be out for the season. That usually involves re- reconstructive knee surgery. Bad break for Coleman. And he had – they were saying he had a chance to be the number three receiver. I believe he was actually penciled into that role. Cody Latimer played pretty well at the end of the year, so I don't see a big drop-off there. No, both – probably one of those guys was going to get cut. One of them would be a number three receiver. I don't think they're that bad at receiver with Tate, Shepard, and Ingram if those guys are healthy. And Barkley essentially as a fourth receiver. Like, I know they don't have Odo Beckham, but of all the things on the Giants team, that's – not even close to my top concern. If, in fact, that might be one of the better position groups. I and Corey Coleman, a total wild card. I don't know. I mean, I, I, and the immediate reaction was, like, uh-oh, this position group is you know, right. falling apart. It's like Corey Coleman was a let's see. If you get anything from him, you've, you, it's a surprise. Shepard, it's annoying because he's a guy I've always thought School he player, could put dog. up way bigger numbers than he has, and this is the year to do it. And so it's an, a rough start for him. Uh, I would say we don't go to uh, the fantasy extravaganza for a few weeks, but – Maybe a guy that's going to now drop in your drafts potentially you could get as a bargain. Would they be talking about that on the fantasy corner? Mark oh, Sessler? Shepard. I thought yeah, you were going to make Shepherd. a joke and say Eli Manning may be available. In the- <laughs> I mean, the, <laughs> corner, the corner is a a rough and tumble, vi- violent environment. So you know, you're getting words out as quick as you can, and the subject matter is unknown. Right. I heard some rumors, actually, that gentrification had hit the corner. <laughs> that <laughs> well, people were like a little upset that there's like a lot of like – there's a lot of places that are like barber shops slash beard slash they serve a drink to you at the same time. Like it's, you I mean, know. it was muggings and, and shootings before. You right. prefer that. There's like 14 Starbucks. Right. It's just like a coffee shop. Just <laughs> a little. Br- well, <laughs> would, if that's the case, it would be a different tone to the report. That's a good if tease, we, if we though. Return there. We can't say for sure we what's going on at the Fantasy Corner. You'll have to wait until uh, about three or four weeks until the Fantasy Extravagant extravaganza returns moving and by the way the Giants are working out wide receivers as you might imagine to Kelvin Benjamin reportedly one of them one of Dave Gettleman's old draft picks oh that sounds like where he's going to end up uh okay a report from Tyler Dunn who works for Bleacher Report these days he wrote about the 49ers this one's interesting Wes the current scouting staff according to Dunn is feeling increasingly marginalized by head coach Kyle Shan- Shanahan and his coaching crew uh, who are, quote, far, far more empowered on draft day. Um, this story comes at a time when the, the Niners, this is a big pivotal season for them and their leadership. And some of the stuff that came out of this feature makes you think that there's significant unrest behind the scenes. Well, maybe. I sort of read it as... Tyler Dunn got one of these disgruntled guys to talk. And then now it seems like a soap opera when it's really – there are tensions in almost every front office between the scouting staff and the coaching staff come draft time. And the coaches, especially a guy like Kyle Shanahan, who has more power than most coaches because he had a six-year contract. So there's a lot more job security there. But it's basically the coaches got who they wanted and we didn't get who we want. That happens in every front office. There was a little nugget. They talked about, for instance, like running back Joe Williams wasn't even on the Niners draft board. And the scouts in the room were ripping him for quitting on his team in college. But Shanahan loved him and the 49ers got him in the fourth round. The article also is littered with offensive players praising Shanahan to high heaven for how he diagnoses and takes advantage of weaknesses on other teams' defenses. And the Joe Williams pick has a flip side. Shanahan did the same thing with George Kittle, who turned out to be 
It was mostly the leading a, receiver in in history by tight mostly ends. a positive article. It was it was largely and, positive. But it does point out. I think Shanahan has more power than most head coaches. And I have said if they had to choose between one of Lynch and Shanahan, if there were problems, I think they would choose Shanahan. This supports that. But the bigger the bigger issue with the front office and that staff is they didn't really consider taking Mahomes or Watson. They did not think they needed a quarterback in that in that draft. They took Solomon Thomas. Um, I mean, that's not – they already had Jimmy G. No, they didn't have anyone. Uh, they drafted C.J. Beathard instead, and, oh, and they okay, took gotcha. Solomon Thomas number three overall. And, you know, that, it's easy to go back and, and play hindsight. But I mean, that helped get Sashi Brown fired too for that passing was, on those guys. That was the Trubisky trade, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, moving on in the news. And, by the way, program reminder, coming up next, Rosenthal remembers – an emotional return to the Ravens' nest, only on the Around the NFL podcast. Did you brief Greg that this was going to be turned into no. such a high octane thing, or see? He... <laughs> I was like, I've never. Well, I've never been to Baltimore before, but we have been to the Ravens' nest many times. Uh, Steelers uh, have signed Coach Mike Tomlin to a contract extension. Not as beefy as what Sean McVay got, though. Uh, this is a one-year extension. The number um, will keep him employed with the team or under team control through the 2021 season. Tomlin, of course, now 47 years old, uh, hired in 2007 uh, and had a Super Bowl win in that first year. And it's interesting, 10 seasons since, uh, they've always been competitive. They've had great teams. They've had good teams, never a bad team. Last year fell out of the playoff picture, and there was some unrest, obviously, behind the scenes to the superstars of the team, Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown, both at odds with the organization and now play elsewhere. How much heat do you put on the head coach for that? Apparently the Steelers uh, still have enough faith in Tomlin to give him this vote of confidence and keep him from being a lame duck, Greg. But not true. overwhelming show yeah, of Yeah, it's like sort of like the – like only the Bengals allow a coach to go into the final year of his contract essentially. Like shout out to Mac Brown and Marvin Lewis last year. But like so you almost have to do this. It's it's like the cautious. Okay, let's see. Well, how. Like the duck that has like a wing that's a little wonky. It's not a lame duck, but it's like caw, 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 caw. <laughs> a not winged feeling duck. great. <laughs> okay. Well he the Steelers have never fired a coach in the Super Bowl era. And Tomlin has the highest winning percentage in franchise history. Twelve years without a losing record is is no joke. But I, it's pretty amazing. I, I, I'd say also it's like, yeah, who are you going to get that's better? Number right. one, you have to identify that. But he is, I think he's at a, in terms of his legacy, at an interesting place in his career. Because when I think of the Steelers, and I think when a lot of Steelers fans think of that team, it's the team issues that have happened. You've lost star players, and you continually drop the ball in the playoffs. You have to change that narrative. That Super Bowl feels like a long time ago. Yeah, I agree. You could look back in five years and say that was the point at which. He got it back on track, or you could say, "Oh, that—that's when the wheels came off." So this is kind of the the. Uh, n- just go on. Never mind. This is uh, a very Mark's <laughs> right. It's a important year. As for he him. always is. Moving on. Les and I are on the same page as always. That's what's as going always. On. Love it. Kissing cousins. Moving on. Russell Okung. Scary story. Uh, the Chargers don't have their starting left tackle. Um, a serious health issue. Issue. It was revealed. Uh, Russell Okung put out a. Um, statement on social media that he suffered a pulmonary embolism due to blood clots last month. Didn't we just talk about, Mark, blood clots? Clint Bowling retired because of this. Uh, Okung suffered the health scare on June 1st and missed mandatory minicamp practices. 
Uh, he was placed on the NFI list this week ahead of opening camp. Uh, there's no timetable for Okung. This is a pretty big deal uh, from a team standpoint. Left tackle, obviously. Uh, here's what Okung said. Um, while near-death type experiences are certainly a wake-up call, I'm feeling great physically. It's not an ankle or shoulder. As soon as doctors clear me, my plans include blocking number 17's blindside. That's Philip Rivers. All the way to Miami, where the Super hmm. Bowl will be played in February. I've, I've had two issues with blood clots, and they woke me up about the whole thing. And, it, and The first one was my leg was massively swollen, and I could barely walk. And Adam Rank down in our newsroom was like, why are you here? Go to the emergency room. And that time, I got it treated quickly, and it was fine. And they said it will never come back. The second time was last September when we came back from London, because flights often... If he's flying long distance, this is a concern for him. You have to be on blood thinners. The second time, I had this pulmonary embolism thing, and it was blackout pain. Mm. It was the most painful thing I've ever experienced, and you can barely breathe. And it, like doctors were like, because it sneaks up on you, you could have died. It's very much a life or death thing. And I'm concerned a little bit, same with had Clint Bowling stuck around. If you're on blood thinners, and if you get these linemen are constantly dealing with blood loss and cuts that we don't even know about, you can't stay in a game. Hmm. I mean, you, can, you, you have to go to the emergency room right away, typically. This is a Super Bowl contender that crumbled down the stretch last year in large part because of their offensive line, the right side of their offensive line in particular, and surprised me that they did nothing to upgrade that line in the offseason, and now you've got your left tackle a bit of a question mark. Uh, moving on, the t- Tennessee Titans did some business. They agreed to terms with safety Kevin Byard on a five-year, $70.5 million extension with $31 million in guarantees. Rap Sheet reported this. The team that announced it, that had reached a multi-year deal uh, with Bayard, who um, it makes him the highest-paid safety in the league, an average annual value, over $14 million, passing Landon Collins of Washington and uh, the Honey Badger in Kansas City. So a guy entering his age 26 season. season. Um, Greg, you are fairly high on Tennessee as well, I believe. Maybe not as high as hmm. Wes, uh, but you believe that this team can contend and keep a big piece around. And Bayard's kind of like the perfect Titan. He's a guy, it's like if anyone makes a list of like the best safeties and they forget to mention Bayard, Titans are, fans are just like, have you ever heard of a guy named uh, Kevin Bayard? Really? Uh, <laughs> well, unless you're Deion Sanders. You've right, heard yeah, someone's right. not heard really of him. shows uh, you're not paying attention. It's kind of true, though, because he's like the highest paid player in his position. And how many people in America know much about Kevin Bayard? It, you know what? Shout it's... out to Kevin Bayard, who's had a great you know, start to his career. Well, he's one of the star, few star defensive backs that doesn't make the headlines weekly by shouting at everyone nonstop and getting into fight, I, fake feuds with people. I thought their secondary would... truck, you know, things <laughs> yeah. like that. I thought they'd be much better last year. On paper, they look really good in the secondary. That should be the strength of their team, kind of like the Patriots being able to, like, match up with anyone. But Malcolm Butler was a huge disappointment, and they really weren't a good secondary. And that that's where they need to get better. Um... Dion, by the way, and Will Brinson over at CBS, our buddy, pointed it out on Twitter. It went from over the course of one calendar year, it went from Dion thinking that Kevin Byard was a fan on Twitter <laughs> to Kevin Byard being the highest paid safety in the National Football League. Uh, look good, play good, play good, feel good, feel good, play good, play good, feel good. Uh, that's pretty funny. Life moves pretty fast. The good thing is if you're Dion Sanders, you kind of could just sweep it all aside and say, don't care. Did he even respond to it? Dion? I don't know. See, nobody even knows. 
That's what you need to get to Teflon Hold Dion there's, status. There's a, I, I believe there's a he did actually. I think he on his show. I, I think it came up on. Did his he, show. he eat? He ate the poop. He I said, think he did. Yeah. I mean, he's he I, wasn't I he wasn't on his high horse about it from from what I recall. Hey, young buck, this one's on me. Something like that. Are you like a yeah, I don't know if those were the words. It's an unfortunate sure. phrase. Eat the poop. I don't this think comes that's from a thing. Evan Silva's Twitter account. Okay. Dion's quote to Kevin Bayard: "You stay being a fan. I'll stay being the man." <laughs> not only did he think he was a, a, a fan he capped it by telling you that he is the man the man <laughs> look good play good hey young buck you stay a fan i mean he, you know this fan was you know verified on twitter with 31 about thirty-one thousand followers that's right and it's like some people Not might be many. listening to this and being like, oh, you guys shouldn't like talk about Dion like that. He's a colleague. He's like, no, Dion's a colleague to us. Like uh, a guy that works in IT is a colleague with Bill Gates it's, or, or like, it's the, a different yeah, like the president with someone who works like like at the lowest levels of the Department of Transportation, 14 buildings away. All right. Time for eight o'clock delight. Ah! Every first round pick is under contract. Uh, Nick Bosa got a deal done with the Niners, and my Jets signed number three overall pick, Quinnen Williams. As usual, it was over nonsense with guaranteed money in the first year of the deal. They worked it out. First, so everybody's in camp. First Bosa to not hold out in family history. Mm. One for three. Must feel good. Alan Hearns, who we talked about on Wednesday, uh, released by the Cowboys, suffered that terrible injury in the playoffs. Not out of work long. Signs a one-year deal. With the Miami Dolphins, I wonder if uh, I don't know what, if he's going to have a role in Miami, but maybe the Giants would have been a potential better spot for him. I don't know, but he signed the deal already, so I'm but not yeah. sure he'd be a lock to make any team. Uh, moving on. Oh, this is interesting. Speaking of injury news, Andrew Luck held out of team drills as a precaution. He's got a calf injury, and the team cited what happened to Kevin Durant in the NBA Finals, Wes. Uh, in the NBA playoffs, when he suffered the calf injury in the second round of the playoffs, they held him out, brought him back, and he popped the Achilles. So they used that as a guy to take it easy with their start. Time of the year to be overly cautious so you can get away with it. And Tom Pelissero reported just minutes ago that he was back on the field doing 7-7 seven and seven work today. Uh, speaking of 7-on-7 seven seven work, Emmanuel Sanders back to work. The Broncos receiver participated in the drills on Wednesday, the first team drills he's done since tearing his Achilles last December. Greg Rosenthal. They need him. They don't have much. I'm concerned about their wide receivers a little. Tell me more, Mark. 32 tor- coming off a torn Achilles. They almost made my thinnest position groups list. Hmm. A lot of question marks with that wide receiver core. Uh, the Patriots have question marks on their wide receiver uh, core. Danny Etling has moved to wide receiver. A seventh-round pick in 2018. He was on the practice squad last year. Uh, former quarterback, turn wide receiver. You're excited, Greg. I am, and a missed opportunity here by uh, the Roto World writer who mentions Terrell Pryor and someone else's recent quarterback. Hey, uh, former quarterback uh, with the Patriots, turning into wide receiver, little white guy. Ever heard of Julian Edelman? Lock it up. Yep. Well, the, the, the thing is with he, this guy, this though. 6'3", 220. Right, he is a totally different body. <laughs> Everyone's saying, oh, it's the next Julian Edelman. Well, I'm kidding. Uh, interesting uh, development in Miami Dolphins training camp where Kalen Ballage, Ballage? Ballage. Ballage was the starting running back in team drills at Friday's practice. This is a, a trend this week. New coach Brian Flores getting tricky. I loved his game against the Vikings last year. 
I wish you, I wish you could expand that's on that, but that's it. You ran well, out of time. Go watch this game against the Vikings. <laughs> no, you want to finish your thought? No, I think it's I, – I, if, I, if Brian Flores <laughs> quickly, is going to run like run his offense like the Patriots, you're going to have four or five of them. You're never going to be one. Mm. There's not one okay. primary starter. They're all going to play. Hank was talking Balazs up last year. He's a big guy. They're both going to be. Man, I like Kenyon fan. Drake, but maybe he's never going to be. That's uh, going to be like a, a three hundred touch guy. Even though we lost um, our championship game on Wednesday night, the Shield reflection ceremony celebration <laughs> will be um, held at the old Zeusers' uh, backyard. Uh, everyone here is invited. Uh, obviously, including Handsome Hank, who has no ties really to the Shield, but he's a friend of ours. Financier, though. Uh, yes, he's a financier, uh, but he's in England right now with his family. So mm. This party, uh, one question. Would you deem it um, safe for young children to be at? During daylight hours. Yeah, earlier okay. on, yes. I have some concerns, like just sort of knowing. I mean, Brassy's at the party. Brassy's going to be there. Brassy's, like, not a primary Gonzo concern. and Colleen. You know, Tell some the of these truth. people, Greg Rosenthal, Who's some of these people get loose. I think anything, any one of these people after dark would be a concern. I mean, your so. children will be there, so it has to no, be No, they're safe. going to be locked. They're going to be locked in the room for nine hours. No, you can't. I'm just going to, like, do you have an slide, attic? like, Right, or maybe they're not going to be there the and I'm wrong, but I would no, assume. No, my children will be yeah. there. But we're going to get a babysitter to help out. That's this a veteran move. Yeah. By the way, outside, two developments pulling into the NFL media compound today. One... The mural that we've talked about from time to time on the show featuring a host of all pros in the NFL uh, after about a two-year run is now being taken down. Hey, uh, Rob Gronkowski is on the mural with the Patriots. I hope it wasn't because of that because he'll be back in a couple of months. Mm-hmm. But also Antonio Brown with the Steelers, obviously no longer there, no longer relevant time-wise. So that's been stripped. Also, Greg, you saw the same icon walking in. I believe he was... He had just exited a Mercedes coupe uh, walking with a, a management member, the great Al Michaels. Oh, yeah. I want to see what he's doing. What he's ta- Maybe he's taping some NFL 100 stuff. Because That's I, what I would guess. I've noticed there's a lot of celebs planned to come through these doors or have been coming. I think they're taping some top secret NFL Got 100 Got a few of them stuff. coming on our show potentially. Hopefully. And, you know, you work in the NFL as we've been lucky enough to do for several years now. You see a lot of stars up close and personal in the sports world, and it, it loses a little bit of its luster over time. You don't get the same type of feeling. Al, I mean, Al, I feel like is an uncle that I've never met and have always admired. So he still mm-hmm. kind of has the juice when you see him. It's like, so oh, that's too. Al Michaels. Yeah. The NFL 100 thing, it's interesting. We had Keith Crossrow, I think is his name, from NFL Films at our talent summit. He made it clear they're not looking to meet standards for this thing. They are trying mm. to set standards for sports I mean, lists when, and what goes like into that. sports lists. I mean, when you have a show Tell that's us. hosted by Bill Belichick, Rich Eisen, and Collinsworth, what that's a what a trio. Do you think Belichick gets paid for that? Oh yes. That's a good question. He I loves mean, football I'm so just, much that I, you don't know. Whatever it is, it's he loves it's money probably too. below what he's worth. <laughs> like it's. It's probably below what he's worth. But yes, because, I mean, I think if you're pers- – why wouldn't you be paid for that? It would be kind why, of insane not to How insulting to, to right. suggest that he do it for free. If right, you're, that you have to fly out and, you, and provide what I'm sure the is The company is a not hurting for money. He but, did a whole day's way, worth of show. You know, it's like six shows or something like that. You're almost certainly right, by the way, Mark, but the way you said it with such confidence, like, oh, he likes money. Well, he does. <laughs> I mean, I think he's probably no, been I'm the sure highest right. paid coach for a long, long time. <laughs> 
to be, clarify something for the <laughs> I listeners. I mean, he should be. Who's I'm not the like. Nor do I argue that he shouldn't knowledge. be. Well, I think he like he doesn't talk about it much, but I'm sure he. I'm excited money. about that because when he's done. Money. When he's done some media stuff, it's Your been good. lips on the sideline. <laughs> I need more money. <laughs> this is not the top 100 players of 2019. We're talking about the top 100 We're players of here. all time. All time. All time. Very exciting. Uh, also very exciting. It's time. Rosenthal remembers a return to the Ravens' nest. Only on the Around the NFL podcast. All right, Greg, let's get to it. They yeah, put we you gotta, on a plane. We got to make this <laughs> expense report worth it. <laughs> I know what. They put you on a plane. They sent you to Ravens camp. You did, did you do? What did you do there? Hit, tell right? tell us about the IT, whole journey. Yeah. Did some ITC. Did, uh, you know, it's a very quiet town, Owings Mills. Uh, I like that. I like seeing like a different little part of the world. You know, shout out to the Peruvian chicken place in Owings nice. Mills. Big nice. fan. Um but my, I don't know, my my takeaway, should we just like go through it? And yes, rap, let's rap hear it. it. Tell rap us all it. about your trip because the Ravens, to me, and I think we're all on the same page with this, and Mark, you see them as a threat to the Browns' potential rise to the top of the AFC North. This is an interesting team. Maybe. This is a team that I did, can do things. I agree. I think they're more interesting than any Ravens team I can remember, basically since they drafted Joe Flacco because it's not just that – not just that they're the, going to be the most unique offense in the league to prepare for and the toughest, but they have more turnover on defense than they've had since they won the Super Bowl in 2000. So it's a huge turnover on both sides. And the thing that strikes me between Mark, what Mark Ingram said and watching them and talking is just the variety on offense of running plays. And I know they did a great job with that last year, but I think they believe that with a full off season, they did it all on the fly. And Roman wasn't even the coordinator last year. He was just kind of doing the running game with him to able to install an, an entire offense around Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram and Gus Edwards and that offensive line that the Ingram was saying the amount of running plays is just outrageous. The way they can get to different running plays with a billion different formations and watching practice, you could see it. You'd never saw the same formation two times in a row. There's so many different combinations. They're going to have two, three tight ends on the field uh, every snap. And because Lamar Jackson is such a unique running talent and those plays, I just think it's a great combination and it's just going to be weird and it's going to be different and tough to prepare for. It was a year ago when, you know, it was questioned whether, John Harbaugh would remain as coach if things didn't go well. And the one thing I love about them, and I love any football team that decides this is not working, we're going to switch identities in the middle of the season, and they became a completely different operation. Two questions. Do you, does anything concern you about, I know it's one game, but the Chargers playoff game and how they put that, the hooks on the, on the Ravens? And what happens to this offense when they get into games where they have to throw the football, when, you, when all these varieties of run plays don't work and you're in the deep into the second quarter and you know it's not going to get a lot better? No, because to me that's one game, one game in which they had about the same amount of yards as the Chargers, two, two offenses that couldn't do much of anything. A game, by the way, that Lamar Jackson led two long touchdown drives at the end of the game. No one seems to give him you know, any credit for, had the ball with a chance to go win at the end of the game. Uh, I'm concerned that he's inconsistent accuracy-wise. And then another takeaway watching practice, just like that wide receiver group is so wide open. You have Willie Sneed and about seven or eight other guys, depending on who you talk to, different people expect guys to step up. Yeah, it'd be great if Hollywood Brown steps right in. He's, he's never practiced as an NFL player yet. 
I mean, that's kind of a lot to expect. So you have Jordan Lasley. You know, it's a lot of Seth Roberts taking first-team snaps. That's a concern. Miles Boykin, who's, you know, they're so much faster, had a big, uh, long touchdown. They've been talking up Jaleel Scott behind the scenes. It's kind of like one of those guys that they think is going to make an impact. We'll see. But they have so many different guys at wide receiver, and yet no, you have really no one you can trust other than Snead. You got a good look at Lamar? Yeah, I mean it was one. It's one practice. He was pretty erratic. I mean that's the thing watching him. He can make every throw, but but he doesn't. But he misses some of the easier ones. I think he's really good in terms of his pocket movement. I think they're going to have him, run, you know, throwing on the run a lot. But you know, RG three was more consistent. You know, for it was one day, but it was mm. it was interesting to see in 2019. You know, players walking off the field the first day of training camp it was a great scene. The crowd was was awesome there. I mean, they were chanting during training camp, like, you know, just in at random moments, except for one guy who is like heckling Lamar Jackson. Why would you show up to training camp? He wasn't really heckling. Wait, but I just what? Heard, I heard of one guy goes like, who are you throwing it to Lamar? And he like made one other comment. I was like, what is wrong Do with you? Do they serve alcohol? No. That is a it's really. Like, it's I, like in the, it's well, like, I'm not surprised there's a guy like that. It was training one guy. Camp. It was like I nine. The rest of us to throw. It wasn't a great thing. I mean, I went I went to a couple of Jets <laughs> training camps at Hofstra University in Long Island and 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 we've been to Rams camp. It is typically a love fest. It's oh no, like, it was. You know, people it just was are and there they were the watch. In terms of like enjoy. clapping and making little chants and stuff, they were the most active training camp uh crowd I've ever seen. But Lamar was pretty fr- he was frustrated cuz he was having uh an up and down day. Hmm. Hold there for a word from our sponsor coming up on the broadcast. The next episode with Ricky Hollywood and MVP, shadowy league figure, and my boss, Sarah Parsons, wow. joins Erica. A little teaser, Erica, for the show? Yeah, it was really, really great. She's the HBIC here at NFL Network. So I can't say even what that means. I know what you're saying, but I feel like that could get me in hot water with the HR department. No, she's the head broad in charge. Oh, okay. That's there you go. Well, scale of 1 to 10, how funny, what sort of humor Doesn't a woman she run NFL Network, though? So, you know, technically, I think you'd have to... Right. She's the HBIC of the old Zeuser. Oh, for sure. For no sure. doubt about no that. Offenses, yeah. yeah. She also said that her favorite broadcast episode was uh, Chris and Lakeisha. Really? And the, all of you guys have been on it, so I don't know <laughs> what that means, but. <laughs> it means I'm changing departments. Hard pass. Again. Um, all right. There you go. Check it out. The broadcast every week. And now, back to Rosenthal Remembers. An emotional return. To the Ravens Nest. It is a beautiful setting. Steve Weistag, it's got to be one of the nicest just training facilities. The building, everything, the big raven, you know, carved, painted into the grass. Like, there is something about football in, in July and August that just gets you. This Greg gets you uh, Ravens romance is already annoying to me. <laughs> They're more interested. When a team goes from uninteresting to interesting. I mean, this is going to, like, until they're finally eliminated, we're going to be dealing with this weekly. Because Greg picks his teams that are his teams, although he already has the one team I would prefer you to never I've always been pretty anti-Raven, actually. You have been in the past. Well, we got along well during that So the timing is not great with the Browns' rise, or the timing is excellent, if you ask me. I love it. It will be fun to watch because the Chargers were your team last year. I mean, that you were cheating on the Pats with. Now, clearly, it's the team of Baltimore. Which is the team that 
I Bullet think as a, as a troop, as a Patriots fan, has annoyed me the most over the years has been the Ravens for a couple of the, those performances. Here's the thing about the concept of an interesting football team. Mm-hmm. It only lasts as long as you win. Right. It only lasts as long. You know, they, they start the season with the Cardinals and the Dolphins, which they have to be thanking the scheduling guys wow. for that because I think it allows them to kind of ease into the season. People are People are worried about Lamar, but it's like, yes, he's not as good a passer as uh, – or consistent as you would like. He was a 21-year-old starter. And the difference is he's a better runner than any of the running quarterbacks before. So it's like, okay, running quarterbacks haven't worked. Well, they haven't been the same as Lamar Jackson, especially in this NFL. You're saying he's a better running quarterback than Michael Vick? I think he's the best one since Michael Vick and maybe better. He was on pace to shatter the rookie rushing record. They had the most successful That's a volume thing, too. Yeah, partly. I mean, I don't think that makes him a better runner than Michael Vick. Just because he was on pace. It, the the way, the ease that they picked up 70, 80 yards from him. I mean, they had the best you know, eight-game stretch in 40 years running. He turned Gus Edwards to a top five back. Gus Edwards outgained Ezekiel Elliott and Christian McCaffrey after Lamar Jackson took over. No I Gus has great, ever been a top eight anything until that. It's a great landing spot for Mark Ingram. And Greg Rowe, you know, I'm excited to watch Greg Roman. But part of it that I'm into them, too, is the defense. Like, right now, Patrick o- Onwatsu is the guy taking over for Ray Lewis and CJ well Mosley's spot. And like and he to me is like a symbol of the team. I mean, he's calling plays. He never even played linebacker until he was a pros. Now he's, you know, one of the leaders of that group and it's like a totally remade group that's kind of a, a mystery. Any Do you other? think they are the favorite to win the North in your mind? No. I think the Steelers and the Browns, I would say, are more of a favorite. But I think they're all it's not much separating those three. Any other takeaways from your time at Ravens? My, my strongest opinion is less about the time there, although you had a great day, Mark Andrews, but more about watching the Lamar Jackson tape that Mark Andrews to me is like an unbelievable making the leap candidate to be a pro bowler right now, to, to gain 800 to 1,000 yards and be a badass blocker and for him and Hayden Hurst and Nick Boyle, to cause a lot of problems, and I think that's kind of the centerpiece of their offense. Even though it's it's Lamar and the tight ends and Ingram and, and the, all the different things you can do with those guys. And Andrews, I guess because he was a late, you know, third round pick and he was on the Ravens, didn't get a ton of love. But for a rookie tight end to look that good, like I am expecting him to be a badass. Well, he's in the right offense because Lamar Jackson throws almost exclusively to his tight ends, and rarely throws outside the numbers or rarely completes passes outside the numbers anyway. Mm. I, I do have a hot take on the Baltimore, you know, um, on the on the sun in Baltimore. That's so, it. you know, this time of year, it's, you know, it's humid. People, a lot of, lot of complaints. That mid-Atlantic sun, I mean, it doesn't hold a candle to the West Coast sun. I get, Give me 83 on the East Coast uh, over 73 or even 71 uh, in Whoa. terms of sun 71? strength. Wait, on the west coast, the sun is it's more intense. Powerful? It's less powerful. I think that's science because it's like farther away from the equator. You can you can stand out in that east coast sun. It's true. I was you know I was in Massachusetts too when it was ninety ninety two degrees. You can be out in that sun for a little while. You're out here and it's seventy two degrees and that thing that thing's gonna burn you. And you reported that you uh, showed up there and you forgot all your underwear also. <laughs> well, that's true. I had to. <laughs> you know, I was pulled the Cessna there. Yeah. Uh, I wore – well, I decided to wore – I had an extra pair of, you know, athletic shorts. So I just used that ah! as my underwear. And then, you know, hit the target. This is actually the second tri- road trip this season that that's, I've had what to go to a target. I hit a target and, uh, you know, bought but some What did you underwear. wear for day one? 
Day one, I just went with, like, my running shorts underneath <laughs> actual shorts. I shared this nugget before the show, but I feel like the audience would like it to note as well. There was this guy that I went to high school with named Berger who loved playing basketball, and, uh, you know, he just was all about it that every day at school he wore gym shorts under his jeans in case a game broke out. I've done that before. Just in case. Sounds like a man with a vibrant social life. It's a lot of layers. Um, last thought connected to the Ravens because you wrote that Making the Leap piece as well, Greg. Let's do a little over-under 2019 Lamar Jackson. Over-under 3,000 passing yards. Over. Wes? Under. Wes, over-under 14 passing yards. 7.1 yards. He had more yards <laughs> per attempt than Andrew Luck, by the way, last year. And Matthew Stafford. Honestly, Wes, Lamar where, where would you yeah, put? Lamar Jackson. Where would you put Lamar Jackson if you had a peg? I know yardage isn't the indicator necessarily of greatness, but I think he's a 2,500-yard passer. Passing yards? Somewhere in that 2,800 to 3,000-yard range. 14 and a half touchdown passes. I, I want to clarify. I think he'll probably be injured at some point as much as he runs, too. So that factors mm-hmm. into my statistical guess. All right. Uh, 12 and a half starts. Wow. Over. Over. Over on all these. 14 and a half touchdown These are about passes. his paces from last 14 year. 14 and a half touchdowns? Yeah. Over. Go over. Passing touchdowns. But you want a second-year quarterback to be better than his previous pace. You right. No, I'm saying that, that these are pretty the low bars. These are pretty gotcha. low low bars. Uh, 900 rushing yards. Over. Whoa. Okay. Okay. What do you think, Mark? Does Over, he, because I'm going to I mean, he I'm had 707 starts. So you see, you see 4,000 combined yards passing and rushing. You see a guy that has maybe 30 total touchdowns. You see a guy that's basically a young Vic. Yeah, that's a playoff. I think team. he's going to be a young star. I mean, he was. That's the thing. It, it, I don't know if it was that game or what. I feel like the the bar or the like moved for him so much, like change, like moving the field. The first three quarters of that playoff loss, and I know he he, was he picked up his numbers and made it look. He respectable. was, but so was Marshall Yanda. Marshall I'm Yanda saying, was that's, that's terrible. The offensive line was terrible. The running game was terrible. They were all terrible. It's only and one it, game. I agree. The whole game counts too. Like to me, the fact that he made some badass throws in the fourth quarter like counts for something. Absolutely. And he was a rookie, so I'm not. And just, all these running plays you're talking about, that's fine. But the flip side of that is every defensive coordinator in the league has spent the offseason right. trying to figure out this defense. It's the, not going to be as easy as it But was it's going to be a totally different de- offense, I think. And he's I not going to run see 20 a times a game. Their owner even said that. He's not going to run as much as he did last year. Um, all right. Good stuff. Thank you, Greg. That was as emotional as I thought it would be. <laughs> you know, it feels like it really uh, – you didn't grow up in that area, but it was... No, I, I felt a connection. Yeah, I can <laughs> wow. see that. Think you and might move there someday? Probably not, but I've never been there. And I'll tell you, like, you know, residence in. There's some strange things going on at the residence in, you know. I believe that. Like spirits, like haunted. Just people that have clearly been living there for, like, months, it mm. seems. They have their dogs That's there. That's where the connection they you're leave, describing They leave their from? dogs. No, but I just, the whole vibe, it was quiet. I liked it. It was different. <laughs> if you're a long-term resident at the Residence Inn and the dogs staying home during the day, and I don't know where you're going, I think you went sideways at some point yes. in your life. They, I'm not saying you're a bad person or your life's bad or whatever. It's just maybe things haven't gone to plan. They have. Let's you, settle down on dogs to begin with, please. You know you. Wow, well, I don't, wow. that's a hot take. Uh, no, I don't agree. agree. I don't agree with that's that. How I feel when you put the sign on your door that says "Do not disturb." They have like much many different options for those at the residence, including one that's like, 
pooch in the room or something like that. Pooch like, leave it alone. My dog's in the room. I know. NFL Network's Greg <laughs> Rosenthal. Isn't that bizarre? Yeah. You were, you were, uh-oh. Look out, it's NFL Network's Greg Rosenthal. Call the sheriff. Now, you would think at some point that you're staying in a better hotel. Like, if it's a hotel allows dogs, which is weird, by the way, because, like, all right, you could bring your dog, and then the next person that goes in there, it. there's I dog hair it, and it was maybe the a closest. peed in the corner. Oh, I don't need that. No. Don't they try to put people with dogs into the rooms that have already had dogs in? Yeah, I think so. I, I, cho- I chose it because it was so close. What if there's a convention and you're, you got to put everyone and everyone, then you're in a room with all this, like, Golden Shepherd hair on your pillow and Does your. Does Siciliano buckets. stay at the Shoot residence inn with the dogs? Hey, like it's I a just, kennel, basically. I just wanted a, a place that you could dog before. Yeah, I, like, I stayed place... at a kennel so I could be close to the team uh, headquarters. I just wanted to be like two miles away. That was the choice. Get some points. You, know? you travel with a dog. Where are you supposed to stay? <laughs> Don't travel with the dog. That's, well, that's, that's not the answer. Because it's not that's, great. Well, that's, and that's it's that's not an good answer. for a dog to travel either. A dog needs stability. It needs to have. For <laughs> me, like, I love about? dogs. <laughs> no, I love dogs. Like, the reason I don't have a dog is I want a bigger yard to have a dog. I want to be home all the time. I want people home. A dog shouldn't be stuffed dog underneath owners, an airplane. Don't listen to Dan. Carriage. You can travel with your dog. You can, but it doesn't mean you should. What if you're on a road trip driving for 10 hours and you have the dog with you? That's a one off thing. That's fine. Okay, but if it's uh, if you're continually traveling with a dog, I don't really count like the eight pound dogs. That's barely a dog to me. But Do you mean like don't dog, be a traveling salesman with a dog or a truck driver with a dog? I don't know. Just because what most other things would be a one off. Give the be- dog a stable home where it lives most of its life and it's not being put through airport security and things of that nature. If you're a truck driver, you gotta have a basset hound in the front seat. I mean, I wouldn't, but but others might. <laughs> Fred, wasn't that uh, All right. eastbound and down? <laughs> We'll be back uh, next week with three more shows, uh, so make sure you join us. And uh, we are back. We're in full swing now. I have a little, little tiny weekend opener to play for you. Okay. It's just a little vibe. We're getting into the weekend. Stop telling me that the season's here and we can't have fun as human beings anymore. Yes, there it is. That's uh, Homer Simpson's dad. I love it. Uh, the Shields uh, Remembrance slash Reflection Ceremony, Zeus or Manor on Saturday, um, and we'll be back Monday, God willing. That's it. Dan Hans is signing off for Quiet Storm, the mailman, the old boss, Ricky Hollywood behind the glass. Ricky, you coming? Oh, yeah, baby. You promise? Yes, I will be there. There will hell to pay. will rain fire if you're not there. Okay. Till Monday. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you.